Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. In case you forgot, my name is Brandon and I usually host this show, but I clearly uh, feel like I've taken a very long break. Uh, it's been an interesting summer and we're here to do the Euro finals and some of your questions, listeners. Uh, joining me to do that is Dan. Unfortunately, no Nick. He went back to the uh, classic flyover state of Nebraska where he grew up, was born and raised. And uh, so we're just going to carry this one for him, aren't we, Dan? Well, look, he took care of midweek for us, so we could take True. care of a couple things. Obviously, we had a nice holiday weekend off in the U.S. here. You were on boats. I was in mountains. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a chance to relax and refresh, unlike some of the Chelsea players who were in the Euros uh, up until this last match. And uh, hopefully they will get as much of a rest now as we were able to undertake over the last week or so. Yeah, crazy to think that they... Uh are you know preseason started during the euros officially at chelsea yet we had five players involved in the euros so um maybe six maybe seven probably not seven but anyways we'll uh we'll get into some of that speculation later so it's going to be uh important that thomas Tuchel gives them the time to to rest and come down i mean two of them having the highs of all highs three of them Unfortunately, you probably need some time to let the emotions drain out of them so they can come back motivated and ready to go. Uh, but that's it. We're, we're going to be talking about the end of the 2020 Euros. That's right, the 2020 Euros, although it's 2021. Uh, Italy besting England over 120 minutes and a penalty shootout to win it all. And uh, good editor's note here, we're going to talk about Italy winning, not England losing, just like we are all upset as Chelsea fans that the media talked about ch- Man City losing and not Chelsea winning the Champions League. So we will take a different approach on that. Then we're going to talk about start of Chelsea's preseason and the Champions League title defense taking place this week. And then maybe some random questions from the listeners who were quick to get them in because we're only, I don't know, not even two hours post uh, end of match at this point. So uh, real quick, Dan, we have some thank yous before we get right into the uh, three word Euro reviews. Yeah, we want to thank Terry for joining up as a yearly sub on Patreon. I mean, you get a discount when you do the yearly subs, which is really great. And we also include our Discord, merch discount, um, stickers, badges. So, you know, get involved. Uh, there's going to be a lot to talk about in preseason. So Patreon is the place to do that and help support the show. Apple Podcasts, we want to thank Dare Drizzle from Nigeria, leaving a wonderful five-star review. That's another way to help us out on the podcast is to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We greatly appreciate you working through an awful app update to leave a five-star review for us. Uh, we know that it's more difficult than previous, but we appreciate it every time somebody does it. And last bits of housekeeping, uh, we do have the still the only team in London is Europe with a European Cup shirt shipping. We have plenty of those out there and people posting photos of my terrible packaging jobs and wrinkled shirts that they then iron, which look even better when it is iron. We have a listener survey dropping later this week. If you fill it out, it's going to help us improve the show in this coming and eighth season that we're getting into. And hey, we're going to Vegas as well. We've got Vegas coming up here middle end of august august 20th through the 22nd brandon we're going to be there uh we want to get people who are in the area or maybe want to come uh hang out watch them Premier League with us we know that the 
LA Chelsea Blues. We know that the Central Valley Blues, some of the Bayou City Blues are going to be making their way there. Maybe the Austin Blues? Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of yeah. Blues that are going to be there. So we're looking Deep forward Peasy to... Blues is going to be there? Yeah. We ain't got no histories. EIC there as well? Look, it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be a fun time. Uh, so why not you? Yeah, look, we're really looking forward to that. It's also my birthday at the beginning of the month. So if you've ever wanted to hang out with me during my birthday, we could always round up and consider that to be an event uh it's gonna be fun it's gonna be uh, a lot of leisure right so not a lot of structure uh but then the you know kind of the big events we do have are gonna be exciting as well obviously the big watch party with the arsenal fans um it should be a ton of fun at the wind resorts which is uh one of the very very nice resorts we're gonna be doing some live shows and stuff hoping to get as many people into that new podcast studio as we can but again it's it's kind of like our first formalized live event. So we're really appreciative of all of you that are able to make it out there. Um, if you have any questions, we would just say, hey, reach out to us so we can answer those um, because we'd rather have your answers, your questions answered beforehand in case that is the tipping point to get you there. So hit us up, email or social media. But here we go. The three word, your reviews. We have Gabriel says, Veni Vidi Vici, which is actually Latin, not Italian, but it does translate cleanly to I came, I saw, and I conquered. Uh, Gana Zagina says, injury-free Euros. I mean, two claps for that one, everybody. We're leaving unscathed. Ro Brown says, rice, rice, baby. Dun, 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 dun. Techie saying, it's going Rome. We heard that, I think, from Ian Dark on the broadcast as well. I saw Mike Ryan Ruiz tweet that. Um, definitely going to be salt in the wounds for the England fans. Uh, then lastly, Jason Cassidy, hop, skip, Italy. That's how it went, Dan. That is how it went. What about you, sir? What was your three-word Euro match review or Euro review? Well, mine's a little bit more specific to the J5, J8 propaganda at the moment. And just the, why not him? Ballon d'Or is up for grabs. It's probably going to go messy after Argentina won. That's just the way that this narrative is going to shape. But you know what? Why not Jorginho? Why not him? Yeah, I put more Chelsea influence. Uh, I mean, it didn't really matter what team you looked at. Christensen, Dave for, you know, for Spain, obviously the trio at England and the duo at Italy, like Chelsea were everywhere. Steve Holland on the coaching side of it. It's just hard to get away from Chelsea right now. And there's no complaints about that whatsoever. Super excited that Chelsea continued to dominate on the success side of it all. But, you know, fair play. Dan, you going right to Italy and, you know, Jorginho, who was, I, I tweeted this, he was central figure to Chelsea winning the Champions League. Whether or not I want to rewrite that or, you know, try to diminish his role, like Jorginho was very crucial to getting Chelsea to the Champions League final and winning it. Now he's very crucial to Italy winning the Euros in the final. So we can talk about Jorginho, but overall Italy won. We have to start with the Italians. Their unbeaten record is amazing. If you look at the XG today, you would say on paper they deserved it. What a wild start to the match. But for them to go down one nothing in less than three minutes into the match and to literally just slowly, very slowly in the first half, uh, impose their kind of style and their, their, I don't know, their, I guess, possession on the match as it went on, um, it was not easy for them today by all by any means. No, it was a really good game, and it's been funny. Like, we've gotten these really good matches throughout the Euros. We've gotten good matches at the Copa America as well. Like, summer football has been 
fantastic. If you were thinking that, you know, Chelsea season was over, you're going to ride the high of the Champions League final win, you're going to maybe get unplugged a little bit, not kind of get fully invested. You know, even us, you know, again, we're Chelsea supporters, we're Americans, you know, we don't necessarily have a dog in the fight other than wanting to see Chelsea players do well, wanting our friends to be happy, whether that's some of our Italian friends or some of our, you know, English friends or some of our Danish friends. Like, you know, we wanted Chelsea players to do well, and that is what we got in this this scenario. I actually think the alternative three-word Euro review I was thinking of was Chelsea mentality mattered because the teams that had a chance to play some of their Chelsea players and give them ample minutes did very well in this Euros, and uh, maybe in this match in particular when that dropped off, <laughs> the mentality shifted just a little bit on the English side. But I, I, I will say... All credit to Mancini, all credit to Italy. 33-game unbeaten run. Remember, he was appointed six months after the they did not qualify for the World Cup and had to essentially rebuild the the Italian side, the Azzurri, and brought them brought them to this mountaintop, right? Brought them to uh, Euro's victory and did so with you know, wonderful cast of characters. Uh, Berardi was excellent to watch. I mean, Spinozola was great until he got injured. Um, you know, Jorginho was on fire. Emerson played a, a crucial role in this side. And, and I, I don't know. I mean, the, you know, Benucci, Cellini, like Brandon, like everyone offered so much in this Italian side. Uh, you know, Viali as a kind of just the the ambassador the kind of goodwill that he was bringing to the side as well with the whole the bus pretending to leave him and then coming back for him type of thing that they kept on doing as a little bit of like a a jinx hoodoo thing like they kept on doing it because it was about just all the traditions and the mentality like it's hard again I, I feel for our English friends and our English Chelsea players who didn't get a chance to lift the trophy or celebrate the joy of winning at home winning at your own stadium but I think you know as a neutral the Italian story is a really good one look not qualifying for the last World Cup to your point is a massive failure for Italy I mean watching them win at no six was like the first World Cup that I really watched so you know I've only known Italy as being one of the the strongest European teams and again they they have slowly built over the last 3 years or whatever it is since Mancini's been there um and it's 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 been interesting right I think they said that Bonucci and Chiellini have only played like 20 sometimes for the country in the last 2 years yet here they are right at the quote unquote twilight of their careers uh, captaining and willing this team to to success and how important that is. And uh, like I said, I mean, Roberto Mancini has done an unbelievable job this Italian national team. It'll be interesting, interesting to see how he transitions back into club football because you assume that's a natural progression for him. Unless, actually, you know what? I forgot. It's only 18 months away from the next World Cup because his Euros got delayed. And then the World Cup, which is bullshit in Qatar, got pushed to the winter because they can't do summer, but we won't get into that debacle. Um, but Italy have absolutely uh, built up over the last three years. And I think that it's very impressive to see them do it. Obviously, they've had a lot of talented players to choose from, Dan. I mean, you don't ever win anything if you don't have talented players. Um, but look, if we look at the stats, one goal apiece. Italy with 19 shots to, to England's six. All right. They had a 2.14 XG to England's 0.51. I mean, that is 
a massive difference. You look at the shot chart here, um, there are a lot more blue dots than light gray dots, which would be for England in that sense. I mean, it just, again, I think if you kind of look at it at the end of the day, like Italy absolutely grew into it. They were looking really good right for halftime. And I think England just kind of tried to survive in the second half. And I feel like they almost changed up their style too much in the second half. But again, I credit goes to Italy for not ever losing faith and just continuing to drive it, drive it England. Uh, Italy did a fantastic job of coming back. I mean, to concede a goal so early in the game, to get exposed after your team had done a phenomenal job through the majority of the tournament of actually not getting scored on, and to will your way back into it, particularly after a difficult first half. It was not a comfortable piece for that, but really, once they came back out after halftime, I think there were some interesting subs that Southgate did and didn't make. Declan Rice looked to be England's best player for the vast majority of the first half and into the second half. Maybe a little gassed, maybe a little injured, ends up getting subbed off. You see a little bit of the intensity drop again. Uh, Mount ends up coming off. Not his best day for England. You know, we, we have seen better performances from him. Grealish comes on, doesn't impact the game as much as he has been, you know, as much as Mrs. Grealish with her 69 kit oh was gosh. waving it in the stands, uh, did not have a nice performance out. And yeah, just 119th minute substitutes to take penalties. It was just so weird. There's a lot of weird narratives that people are going to pull out of this game. But I think the larger story, and you made a really good point in this earlier, was just that Italy are a deserving victor in this tournament. They played exceptional football in all their matches. They had a little bit of a wobble when they got out of the group stage, but were able to course correct and ultimately end up winning it all. And uh, it's a credit to everyone from Mancini and his coaching staff through all the players and the substitutes. And they you know, did it for, uh, for Spinozola there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, as we, as we wrap up on the, on the Italy side, I think before we transition a little bit, but like the Jorginho Ballon d'Or prop, Right. Like I, I it's it's funny to say out loud, like us as Chelseaans, I think we've been very hot and cold with Jorginho. Obviously brought him in under sorry. He continued under Frank and now under Tuchel. He had quite a big role. But the fact is he's won everything uh, minus the league title. Right, He won the big trophies, we should say. Right. He won the Champions League with the club. And now he's won the Euros, the major international tournament with Italy. Uh, look at Jason Region at RAP underscore Andres underscore the Dragon 44 Ultra Ernie on Discord all asking like is it a serious shout for Jorginho to win the Ballon d'Or I think to your point earlier Dan in, until Messi won the Copa America I'm not going to say he had a good chance but he's probably like in the top five running purely just because he started and played in two UEFA winning sides. Being a double European champion, being one for your club in the Champions League, and then being one for your nation in the Euros in the same year, it's a pretty impressive resume. Look, it's right now it's Emerson with a 96 minute goal and Jorginho who get to hold that honor this season. There's there's a valid case that could be made. Mm -hmm. I I don't think he ends up winning it. I think the messy narrative of winning a first major trophy for Argentina at, at the you know kind of the the national level 
is going to supersede anything. I just think that's going to take its place. But, you know, look, we had talked about N'Golo Conte being a really good shout if France could do the same thing. And as much as you may or may not love Jorginho, may or may not understand what he does, may or may not believe that he should be sold or should be enshrined as one of Chelsea's best midfielders of all time. Again, we're not here to push an individual narrative, but I think what we're talking about is would he be on the short list? Like if he's a top 10, most likely, because you're going to see probably a few of the England players drop a little lower in their odds because they didn't win. So, you know, Harry Kane, I think, was floating up there a little higher in some of the odds, you know, betting sites. Ryan Sterling had kind of drifted up. Kevin De Bruyne had drifted up. I, I think maybe you see Jorginho rise, you know, into the top 10, maybe gets close to top five, but probably does not win the Ballon d'Or. But hey, why not him? Anything, anything strange can happen. As 2020 proved to us, and now 2021 is trying to prove again, anything can happen. Yeah, look, I think I think it's pretty wild, right? For for like something like that to happen, you know, is always what you could say is is a long shot. Like I would, you know, expect everyone to say. Um, it, I think what it is really, Dan, is a moment to just say a very polarizing player, Jorginho, right? Uh, we've all keep sold and loaned him multiple times in in all of our different mocks, but the point is is that he was integral to those teams. He delivered in big games, took the early knock today, continued to play and finished the full match, uh, took the winning penalty at you know at this stage for Italy, um, took another pen uh, in the in the last round against Spain as well. Like he's delivered. And I think, you know, the only counterpoint to the Messi thing is that's the only thing Messi won. I think maybe he won a Copa del Rey. I don't know. But my, my point being like Messi didn't win a league. He didn't win the Champions League. He quote unquote only won the Copa America. But because it's kind of the bow tie to his career, those tend to get more attention. And obviously he scored a shit ton of goals yet again this season and is obviously still one of the best players even though the Barcelona side was quite poor for the Barcelona standards of late uh it's just a point that like you don't go winning the Champions League and the Euros back to back a because they never are back to back um well I guess they are but it's just it never really happens in in this case and so normally you can get Ronaldo, who won the Champions League. You give it to him, even though Messi won the league, right? There's always kind of that debate. I doubt there's too many times when you get people from those teams to win both. And poor Emerson, he's a left back. He's never going to get it. And he obviously only got in through injury. So that's why we're talking about Jorginho. But I think people have to look at him. You know, Agent was talking a lot this weekend, wasn't he? Talking about <laughs> Tuchel. He's excited to work with Tuchel. He's got a big role under Tuchel. Tuchel loves him. He loves Tuchel. I mean... It'd be weird to not say that after winning the Champions League, but I think a lot of Chelsea fans, it's it's still a hard pill to swallow. But why can't you just be happy for a player in the moment at the end of the day? He's a Chelsea player. He's representing the club, him and George, and uh, Emerson Palmieri. You just got to let him roll with it. But I do think that because he checked those boxes, scored a bunch of pens in the Premier League, did the business I in the think, Champions League and Euros. He should be in the top five at a minimum just by default. You know, if you if you got the penalty, if it wasn't Sokka's miss, if it was Jorginho sending them through, that probably would have, I don't know, lingered in voters' heads. Uh, you know, obviously, there is a little bit of a discussion on him remaining on the pitch. You know, some people think that he should have seen red for 
the Grealish step into and his foot does his left foot does get the ball that then bounces off of Grealish's leg and off mm-hmm. and so I don't think it's a I don't think it's sending off at all I think he got the ball and it literally slid off it a lot of other people think differently but like I you know okay toss up right but yeah. the, you can bridge that into refereeing right the refereeing yeah, was it, above par it was above quality <laughs> all well, and 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 VAR was well implemented throughout the vast majority of it, except it was when it was an English official. But I mean, the reality Hilarious. is that they tended to get it right. And yeah. you would hope that this is maybe some of what we'll see next season. And we will ultimately be disappointed with the implementation that the FA and the PGMLL takes in getting it next season. But, you 100%. know, I think there's uh, a couple other things we want to talk about. Brandon, you had a lot to say about Jordan Pickford. Uh, both online and then in our group chat and you should just uh, have a moment to to tee off to chat about what you want m dempsey on discord said how many years of good goalkeeping did pickford use up in this tournament and i i should go back and read what i said so because a lot of people freaked out that heaven forbid i have an opinion on a goalkeeper which probably is because people are just seeing my tweet not knowing who i am um but what did i say i said pickford is an emotional wreck and this was at like the i don't know 60th minute 70th minute i think it was early second half but i said he's an emotional wreck i said he was always going to be a liability this match not blaming him for the goal okay so it's just after they conceded just saying he's not calm and he's not inspiring confidence in the players in front of him and then i put a little funny gif of him slapping his hands and pointing and yelling look my only point is you can't say that Pickford's a top goalkeeper. So the counter argument was, well, who are you going to play Henderson? Sure. Yeah, actually, like I'm really open to that. Ramsdale? No, of course not. The fact that you guys have Ramsdale even in your lineup is probably a bigger concern for you as a country at your depth. My point is Pickford, like many of these players, were so untested at this level. Like call a spade, what a, call a spade a spade. Pickford plays for Everton. They don't have a lot of success. Just saying. In general, right? He's not used to these situations. And from a goalkeeper's perspective, every time the ball went out, he was pointing, he was yelling. It was frantic, though. It wasn't, hey, you go here, this, this. Every time, like, a shot got off, he was, like, yelling, like, frustrated, pleading with his defenders. All I'm saying is from my experience, which is more than most in the goalkeeper position, he didn't instill confidence. He was panicking. He was frantic. Did he end up costing the game today? No, I don't think he did. I thought he did a good job today. Um, you know, he, he showed up in the penalties at the end of the day, what I told my girlfriend heading into penalties, look, if you're a goalkeeper, you make one save, you've done your job. It's on everyone else to essentially take care of business and do the, the do his job. And he did, it was a bad pen, but he saved it nonetheless. And like, look, England need to find a better goalkeeper. I think George, you know, I think Henderson would have done better. He's bigger. He's a bigger body. I mean, D- Dan, did you see when Donnarumma hugged, uh, Pickford before the penalty shootouts? Donnarumma made Pickford look like a kid. He was he was tiny in comparison. All I'm saying is, you 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 got other options. Uh, yeah, I mean that's who they went with, and unfortunately, he had to go to penalties to get tested that way. And I mean, actually, you know, it was also on the takers and the manager maybe for the selection of who got to take it. I mean, I. Again, it's a lot of armchairing, yeah. unfortunately, at this point around who's and what's. I imagine there's going to be a lot of 
people who are critical of Southgate. I also think he took you to a semifinal and a final in the last two tournaments. So I don't know. Uh, as a, a U.S. men's national team fan, I would probably say that that would be some good progress that we would love to see as yeah. we look ahead to a you know World Cup uh, in, in next you know eighteen months from now. That would be um, ideal. Look, I think if we if we pivot to England, I think there's n- there's really no complaints to lose a final in penalties, right? Like you 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 punched your ticket. You did everything you needed to do to have a chance at winning. You know, finals and tournaments, they're so damn difficult to navigate. I think a lot of people complain about Southgate substitutions all tournament. Uh, you know, I think some people questioned some subs today. I think I did, you know, when Henderson came on for Declan and um, uh, Grealish came on for Mount. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're kind of silly not to put fresh legs on when you get to that late in a match. So he's just putting bodies on for the most part. Uh, and I think the thing that really, <laughs> really is tough is for him, Dan, is that pill to swallow is the Rashford Sancho double sub right at the end. The one thing I heard about that is, oh, they didn't even get a chance to run. They didn't even get a chance to get in the match. So their first touch was literally the penalty kick. But at the same time, like, who cares? It's a penalty kick. They practice them, like, dry all the time. You don't need to, like, get involved and, like, feel the flow of the game to take a penalty kick. Like, they're in isolation, so I don't buy that argument. I just think that Rashford tried to be too cute and waited. He stared down the goalkeeper for too long, missed his place. And Sancho just missed his spot, and Donnarumma is a big boy, and and got two big hands to to both shots. Yeah, I think if you're critical of something, it's why try to play the game to penalties. I mean, Italy came back into the match; they were fierce, they were pushing England back, and you know Sancho had a. a brilliant campaign for for Dortmund obviously making a big move to Man United it was maybe a little shocking particularly with Foden not being available that he didn't see more opportunity um you know Calvert-Lewin I feel like his his speed his ability to body up Kane was just dropping so deep really didn't get a touch in in the box you know I think almost the entire game and Matt Law tweeted that or Nas did. Na- Nas very, did. very surprising. I, I just, I feel like there maybe a little bit of the tactics were missed. And again, it's hard to complain when you got so far. But when the, when it does come down to a couple missed kicks and a penalty shootout, you wonder could you have won the game in full time if you had tried to be maybe a little bit more assertive and a little less regressive in your play strategy from trying to defend a one nil lead from the, you know, I think the ninth minute was the next best chance that England had for the entirety of the game. And then basically just try to hole up shop for the remainder. And so I, I think that's going to be what people are going to point to, not necessarily finding a way and finding a path forward through difficult opposition in the group stages and then also through the knockout stages. Look, England, hold your head up high. The fact that it went down to penalties again is the only thing you can really nitpick against and say didn't go your way. Unbelievable run. What a fun tournament to watch, I think, just in general. Um, Both teams were absolutely electric, played with so much heart and passion, uh, and I think that they should all be applauded for you know getting to that point. I mean, again, Chelsea beat Manchester City in the Champions League, and I will never stop talking about that. 
but it was the finest of margins. I mean, you could say Man City had the better chances for a little bit, but then Chelsea just showed up on the day. Actually, it was the third time we'd showed up on the day and beat them, but fine, fine margins. So a tackle here, a block there, a deflection goes in. It's just it's just so much. So again, I, I, I'm i not going to sit here and, and tear apart England for having a bat. They had an amazing tournament, uh, beat some brilliant teams on the way and Ukraine to get there. And so uh, hats off to them, the way that that country united today. It was unbelievable. And the future is so bright. Young when you think about how young the majority of England's best contributors are when it's Declan Rice, when it's Sancho, when it's Mount, when it's Grealish. You know, when you have this young core that you can build around for the World Cup and for successive tournaments after this, that is a really promising place to be. And so yeah. I think that is the thing that I would anchor back on through through dismay, potentially, if I were an English supporter, is that, um, you know, that the future is still very bright. Again, be proud. Uh, from a neutral's perspective, absolutely loved enjoying it. I didn't catch it until the later stage of the tournament. I just was busy not watching it and, and you know, taking a little break. But uh, overall, I'd say it was uh, fantastic. And by the way, the impact it had here in the U.S., Brits, the local pub, um, had a line of 50 to 100 people, one in, one out, trying to get in. And they probably had hundreds of people inside. So also just so cool to see America rallying around an international tournament like this. And I... Obviously not nearly as important, but um, or not as nearly as well covered, but the Copa America down in South America. Again, Brazil-Argentina final. There's a lot of things that went along on the way to get there as well. And so, again, just a very cool summer of soccer in the United States actually winning a trophy as well uh, that we glossed over. So, anyways, um, it's been a brilliant summer of soccer. Unfortunately, Dan, not only are we going to take an ad break, it's all about the summer transfer window when we get back because now it's silly season time because everyone's done focusing on the tournament. So, we'll be right back. All right, preseason means transfer season, Dan. Gabriel on Discord saying, anything to look for in preseason formation-wise? Do we think Tuchel sticks with the same formation? Well, you sleuthed and found some information, didn't you? Well, I mean, I don't know necessarily if it's sleuthing when you go to ChelseaFC.com and you just pull up the article about what's happening with preseason. And look, the club took a couple of photos. There were some... Tuchel and player hug photos that shocked the internet with who it was. You know, uh, it was Callum Hudson-Odoi, Tammy Abraham, and Tino Andrin were back last week with Tuchel at uh, as the you know at Cobham getting ready for preseason training. They talked about how many players are going to be returning over the next few days. Obviously, there's plenty who were not in international duty, but there also were many players who are. And the later they got into the Euros, the longer it took to start their summer break, and the later you would expect them to be back at Chelsea. And so, you know, you think that, you know, we're probably looking at a two to three week window in which these players who got into the very late stages, Thiago Silva, Mason Mount, um, you know, Christensen, you know, probably, you know, Jorginho, Emerson, and all the others are going to get the longest breaks. And maybe a few that went out in earlier rounds are going to have to come back sooner. And um, that's just the way it is. And so there is an Ireland camp, uh, as Naz has reported, that is going to be set up for some friendlies and trainings. But then there is a little round robin tournament that has been coordinated with the London Rivals. Uh, to remind them both that London is blue and to stretch our legs a little bit on the pitch 
in and around London against Arsenal and Tottenham. It's a little bit of a charity competition for the club's foundations, each of the individual club's foundations, and for the Mind charity about uh, mental health and mental health awareness. And those are taking place for us on August 1st and August 4th. So we are not too far, Brandon Busby. We are not too far from our preseason being over and our season kicking off with actual coverage of preseason matches. It's been, what, five weeks since we were in Porto, Portugal? I mean, this is crazy. And I guess this is kind of the knock-on effect from, uh, you know, that season, you know, kind of being bumped a little bit later. Obviously, what a great problem to have playing to the Champions League final, right? What a great problem to have a Chelsea player in every single one of the semifinal teams in the Euros, right? Like, all great problems. But they are going to have knock-on effects for Tuchel and his staff is as they try to get because it was a crazy season last season and you know how much rest are these guys really going to get before they have to start training again i'm just not not so sure so um you know i guess as much as we get bummed that chelsea aren't coming to america for a preseason tour i think as fans we could all probably sit here and say that's probably a good call in the sense of coming off a long season let's not make the players travel too far Let's keep it close to home. Uh, let's keep it simple so they can just focus. Because as Gabriel's question was, what about formation stuff? We don't know. That's exactly what Tuchel is going to be trying to figure out. I mean, you just talked about Tino Andrin, right? Maybe Tammy. It, did something change in five weeks to change Tuchel's mind about Tammy Abraham? This is the time, as crazy as it is, they have the shortest of windows to kind of prove themselves for the next 10 months of the season. Are they staying are they going out permanently? Are they going out alone? Obviously, uh, Billy Gilmore already being officially announced as Norwich player on loan for the season. So it this is, to my point earlier, Dan, where things kind of start to shift and play and go. And I just, um, you know, preseason is tough. It sounds like Kennedy is refusing to train because he wants his future sorted out. Fair play to him. That's the way I look at it, right? Like if he's not in serious contention to play for Chelsea – yeah, you know what, Chelsea, go figure it out. Figure out where he's going to go and 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 get, let him get it settled because it's obviously not going to be playing for Chelsea. I mean, how many left-footed players do we have in the squad? It's far too many to add a Kennedy. Yeah, there's a lot of players, uh, Kennedy being one, but others that are going to get to need to get sorted in very quick succession here. When you think about the fact that Chelsea, as we were recording this, it is the 11th of July, Chelsea play in the Super Cup on Wednesday, August 11th. <laughs> like We have 30 days uh, and a trophy is on the line. So, I mean, again, champagne problems. This is a good problem to have that you are competing early for a Super Cup, but it means that you're going to have to get players loaned out. You're going to have to evaluate the fitness of all the players coming back in. There are contract extensions that need to be sorted. You know, mm -hmm. particularly and Andreas Christensen, Antonio Rudiger, and what those contract intersections might mean for do we need to target a center back? Do we keep someone like Mark Gerhi on the side potentially as an option in case we quickly look to sell someone in their last year and try to make a profit before they get a chance in January to start talking to other teams? There's going to be a lot that needs to be coordinated and figured out. And yeah. again, the club will have been working We'll have been working on some of this in the background while the Euros have been taking place. But if you've seen some of the numbers coming out for Emerson, for example, probably now 
easily 100 million euro transfer fee after oh, being Italian His uh, euro wages and 100,000 a week. <laughs> uh, no, uh, look, I, there were rumors of like a, a you know a, a Napoli like eight to ten you know million euro transfer deal, which is probably not going to be where the club may value him. Like the question is going to be is what valuation will you take? Who you're going to be able to get to move on? The outgoings are going to be as just as important because that all sets the path for someone like Holland being available to Chelsea. You know, you have to balance the book somehow. And so, you know, we talked about Holland, we talked about Rice, who definitely has not gotten cheaper during the Euros. Uh, that is not something that will have happened. I mean, West Ham will know that they have a gem on their hands. Now, his contract is another situation. There have been articles coming out, potential refusal to re-sign, maybe for more wages, maybe to try to help force a move. But Brandon, I mean, ultimately, the club is going to be very busy on and off the pitch. And it'll be nice to see some games. But, I mean, we're also going to see, you know, returning loanies, right? We're going to see, does Ruben Loftus-Cheek have a space in this side? Does Mark mm-hmm. Gurhey have a space in this side? Does Connor Gallagher stay mm-hmm. around? You know, I mean, th- there's going to be some questions that have to get answered pretty quickly. And we just hope that Tuchel gets the right amount of time to make those decisions and know what's incoming and outgoing soon enough so that he can make the most informed decision. Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not that easy to get transfers done during tournaments. I know Chelsea picked up Fabregas and Costa before a tournament, you know, of, you know, obviously a handful of years ago now. Um, but I mean, PSG is wheeling and dealing. United is, it sounds like he's wheeling and dealing. But I think you're really going to see everyone get involved now, right? Everyone is waiting. Agents want to wait until the tournament's over so they can see, look how good my player did. Tack on another zero, tack on another comma, another performance bonus, whatever it may be. Um, so now we're really going to see, um, I think the moves happen. Although everyone we've talked to in the journalist world say, this is still not a seller's market. It's not going to be easy for, you know, a club like Chelsea to offload potential players. But then again, in Tuchel's perspective, how many players does he want to offload? He just won the champions league. He had a great run. Obviously you could say the Premier league season didn't end with, uh, the, the strong performances that we wanted, but you could also counter that and say, well, no one wanted to get hurt before the Champions League final. So whatever. Um, but we do we do know that we're not going to have one Champions League and World Cup winning Olivier Giroud gone to AC Milan. And we're not going to have, well, I guess Willie Caballero was just released because his contract was over. Um, and obviously Fick is officially left for AC Milan early in the summer as well. This is also the part of the year, Dan, where we have to say goodbye to some players that we really don't want to always. And sometimes we even get to say goodbye to players that we're probably like, you know what, that's probably best for them. That's good. But again, uh, Ace Milan getting two, one young, one experienced player from Chelsea that uh, I think both, I guess, I guess all Chelsea fans have really fond feelings for both those players. Sure. I mean, we look at Tamori as someone we had a chance to sit down and talk to at one point, and we're very excited to see what he can accomplish you know, in, in Syria, and hopefully he helps push Milan to a potentially a league title. That would be phenomenal. And, you know, Giroud is an amazing servant. His last goal for Chelsea was the overhead kick in the, in the Champions League. And look, it was a great... Uh, Great way to go out and, you know, both contributed to Chelsea in their own way. And it will be nice to know that if you 
throw on a random game in Serie A for AC Milan, you might get to see a couple players that you have fond feelings for and fond memories of. And that's a, that's a great place to be is, uh, you know, I think adding Giroud to any team, you know, the guy is just a mentality monster and just seems like one of the most likable and, and nicest guys kind of to have around as a, a professional's professional and so a pro's pro. So, I mean, credit to him for, uh, you know, uh, not being and making a ton of fuss, you know, from some really interesting stints of not being used when others weren't necessarily scoring, coming good in the post-restart era to be a big part of us getting into Europe for that second season, allowing us to potentially sign some players who are starting to add and be very strong contributors to this Chelsea side. So, yeah, just yeah, sad to see him go, but happy that they get to continue playing. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, let's go ahead, you know, and wrap with just a couple of, uh, as you bucketed them, random questions here. Although I think these two would definitely say there's nothing random about them. They came with intent, Dan. You got VG number one Chelsea supporter on the Discord. You, you put a PSA asking for questions, and they delivered, said, when are we handing West Ham a blank check for Declan? Question mark. I think... Declan, I mean, I think I, I think Nick has said every time Declan's come off the pitch, England have gotten worse. Um, which, to your point, doesn't make getting Declan any easier. Uh, it sounds like it's been pretty consistent that he's been a target for Chelsea. Um, Frank and even it sounds like Tuchel has has had admiring words from him. I can you imagine what Mason Mount is like at Cobham? Uh, a gaffer. Uh, have you have you seen this Declan kid? I did, I just think you should look at him. Oh yeah, my mate. Yeah, yeah. But don't worry about that. He's really good at football as well. I mean, Mason just has to be like driving the Declan propaganda bus at Cobham. I don't think it's propaganda. I think it's just you know you had an opportunity to keep this player at one point. They ended up going to a, a crosstown team and has blossomed into a really consistent and strong player, a really, you know, a really strong midfielder. I think the the thing maybe to get not get bogged down on, you know, is price. You know, I think that people are going to look at like uh, how much is too much for Holland? How much is too much for Declan Rice? You know, if the club want to get both, they will figure out a way to get both. Like that is just the way Chelsea operate. And ideally, like I would just say this, like, it is great to see Chelsea going after the big names that they want versus accepting a potential short-term replacement that is just, you know, taking 20, 30, 40 million out of the coffers that they could have used to sign that player. Right. You know, we saw the Hakimi deal went through for PSG and then he was talking, or his agent was talking about how he got taken aback by the, champions of Europe potentially coming after him. And, you know, Emma Hayes has talked a lot about mentality as our friend Ollie Glanville was talking to us in DMs about was just like Hakimi showed what the mentality was. And you know, you want people to come in like Declan, like Holland, who are just coming in to win and win a ton of stuff. And so for Chelsea to go out and add not just the right player in terms of profile, but the right player in terms of mentality that can really help elevate this side and turn them into a competitor on every single front in the Super Cup, the Club World Cup, the you know the Premier League, the FA Cup, uh, it's just the League Cup. Like 
I want to compete for every possible title. I want to see Tuchel win four trophies, five trophies, you know, without any issue. I want him to be completely back so we can go dominate like the core of this squad, I think is very capable of doing. It's just missing maybe one or two pieces to make that happen. We got Roman money. We got Champions League winner money. I mean, what you do if like we've said that there are weaknesses in the squad, right? But Tuchel credit to him to challenge the players and organize them to put them in a chance to win. And the players were going out and executing the game plan and winning the damn thing. But we're not looking for squad filling signings this season. You need to go get talismanic players at the positions when you can, right? You look at the Erling Holland, you look at a Declan Rice, we, you know, Declan Rice to me is like the Tuchemani and, uh, and Declan was like the the Chilwell and the shit. I don't even Tagliafico or whatever the 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 freaking Porto back that went to United and we didn't even hear from Tellez, Alex Tellez, right? Like you you buy the proven product, and that's probably why there is an English tax uh, is because you don't have to worry about a player settling. We even talked about Timo Werner and Kai Havertz, you know, needing time to settle in the Premier League. Declan hits the ground running if you get him. And with this squad in a shortened preseason, you don't need anything other than guys hitting the ground running. Um, you know, if you can get one of those and maybe a wide player and a center back, like we are locked and freaking loaded going into next season. And as much as I want Donnarumma on principle, Edouard Mendy is the man and I will never speak anything less of that. So again, go get players when you can get them and they better be damn good, not, you know, squad players at this point so uh then last one for our new best friend from porto andrew ag mcdougall saying would england be better off with antonio conte i mean dan who wouldn't be better off with antonio conte so he's got a winner's mentality uh do, does not suffer to a fault yeah he's uh look he, he does maybe get a little frustrated when he doesn't feel like he has a hundred percent 110 percent of your conditional backing for things and may decide to uh, throw a little bit of a temper tantrum in that regard but you know uh, i mean he has standards and he is entitled to do what he may in that regard i think he would love love the wingback setup that he could put together with this England squad. Yeah. I think he would absolutely maximize this team. Uh, look, I mean, he's probably not at the point in his career though, where he's thinking about coaching at the club level. I think, you know, let's just say maybe man United don't get the off the ground running. Maybe Ole gets canned early next season. I, I mean, it's, it's it's like it's it's nightmare fuel. I don't want to speak it into existence, but Antonio Conte would be a really shrewd signing for a Manchester United. Agreed, Dan. That's my cons- conspiracy theory of the season: is that United are buying big, or at least pretending like they're buying big. But I think they're going to for Ole to say, "All right, you know what? Here's the deal. You've done enough. We're going to give it to you. Like show that you can really get us across the line, not keep us close." And I think they're going to you know, almost maybe like people said, Chelsea did to Frank, right? You dumped a bunch of big players. He didn't perform. They said, all right, you're out. We're getting the guy we think we wanted the whole time. So I think, I actually think the United board are upset that Ole has done as well as he has, but Hey, that's a conspiracy 
theory for a different time. We need an episode that is just primarily conspiracy theories now because that would just be a delight. It's essentially the uh, the murder podcast equivalent of soccer and football conversation. If we can kind of bridge that gap, uh, future be you know we'd be pretty busy doing stuff like that. Look, we just need help from the audience and the listeners out there. We can put some together. No problem. To help with Jake and Bruce, we can do anything with this podcast. But anyways, hey, I think that's going to wrap us up for this one, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, look, Euros are over. Cup America's over. I I don't know. I think there was a Gold Cup going on. I didn't even pay attention to that in the U.S., so I apologize. But uh, it is officially about to kick off silly season time. So you need to buckle in, get ready. The pieces are going to move. Um, we're really excited that we're able to keep a, a very close eye at Cobham just to see what's going on. The club are doing a great job covering kind of everything that's happening and, you know, kind of putting out the information. So, you know, stay locked in Chelsea fist stand up Chelseafc.com. Obviously the social media accounts. Um, and I, I guess I should give the club a, a, a I guess, a. A job well done, pat on the back. And I think they did an amazing job covering all of the players across all the competitions this summer. Um, it would be an easy time for them to kind of take a break, but I felt like they were working harder than ever um, to not only continue to celebrate the Champions League final, but also promote the players. Uh, it just made me feel really, really happy about the club and in the love and appreciation they're showing for the players. Well, and now you've also seen the club start to provide a little bit of that propaganda for the Chelsea women's team players mm-hmm. who are about to start their campaigns in the Olympics. And so uh, those are a couple other things to kind of be if you're looking for what is the next bit of soccer or football to fill the void because yeah. we can't have a day without it, uh, as I'm sure uh, your significant other and mine have told us before. Uh, wow, does it ever stop? No, football never stops. It is a year-round type of commitment and uh, yeah, just get get involved with that. There's going to be some good matches there. I'm really looking forward to the uh, the Olympics now. Yeah, no, that's true. Tokyo 2020 is now here in 2021. So anyways, uh, hope you're enjoying your summer. Uh, upcoming episode we're going to have from Joe Tweeds uh, profiling one of our summer, one or two of our summer targets. I don't know. Sometimes once you just let him hit record, you never know what you're going to get, which is part of the excitement of Tweeds and everything that goes through his mind. But anyways... Let us know if you enjoyed it on social media. Let us know what you thought about the Euros. Overall, I give the tournament a 9 out of 10. I thought it was phenomenal, um, the coverage and the and the play on the pitch and the refereeing from top to bottom. So let us know what you thought about it. But, hey, it's time to look back at Chelsea, all right? Preseason time. It's not going to be long before we're kicking off, uh, kicking off the Premier League season. And then right after that, we'll be taking on Arsenal with a watch party in Vegas. So big up for Season 8. We're so excited to enter our eighth season covering Chelsea, which is wild in itself but we're glad to have you along with us so anytime uh so anyways next time chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high